0: Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Boe, and myself continue our discussion on the Eighth Commandment.
1: Welcome to Being Lutheran podcast. All right. We're still anonymously attacking all the gospel in
2: the yeah, church. That's all right.
0: right. Yep. yep. Actually, no, we're not. Pastor <laughs> Brett Bowe, Pastor yeah, right. Jason Goodham, <laughs> Pastor Brian Ricky are here yes. to proclaim the saving gospel of Jesus Christ through the Lutheran confessions and biblical theology <laughs> of the saving gospel of Christ. Well, wow, I okay. like that. That's that that's great.
2: the voice of our moral compass, Brian Ricky too. <laughs> so Man, if I'm the that.
0: moral compass, we <laughs> are sunk. <Yeah. laughs> our moral compass must and always be scripture. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's good. Yeah. And as we wrapped up recording the last episode last week, thanks for listening. And this is kind of part two of uh, introduction to the Eighth Commandment. We we felt that we talked a lot about the what it prohibits. Yeah, the breaking. And, yeah, the breaking of the commandment. And so we wanted to devote another episode on what the Eighth Commandment promotes. What does it promote? Not only that, but answering the question,
2: how are we fulfilling yeah uh the commandment what is the what are the tasks this commandment is giving us to do in order to be pleasing to god according to his revealed character mm-hmm. according to the instructions we see in his words so on and so forth and we have a list to work with that luther provides in the catechisms and i think it's mm-hmm. a valuable thing to consider especially when we, we consider the implications mm-hmm. of breaking the commandment and damaging our neighbor's, neighbor's reputation mm-hmm. and considering we addressed it at the end of the last episode that we it's easy to come down heavy-handed on this, which we should, mm-hmm. because the church really struggles with this. But, you know, let's talk about the positive things and, and, and let's look for what we can be doing, the the activity we can be participating that will encourage our neighbors, that will establish their reputations. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, I guess. We'll talk about the positive. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Eeyore,
1: no? <laughs> uh, yeah, and, you know, you had mentioned that you had gotten this list from the large catechism. Yeah. So maybe real briefly for those that maybe haven't read the large catechism or the rest, how is, how did you find that? Or where was, did he write a few paragraphs there? Um, he's got the, the beauty
2: of the large catechism. It's basically a commentary on the small catechism. Mm-hmm. It's intended for the pastors to know how to teach the principles in the small catechism. The small catechism is for the families the large catechism is is more for the church, although it's accessible enough for fathers and, and families mm-hmm. to, to incorporate that into it. But uh, if you've never read the large catechism, uh, Do it, <laughs> it <now>. must <laughs> must be the case that you've just started listening to our podcast, sure. because I talk about it incessantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's my personal opinion that aside from Scripture, the large catechism is the most important book ever written. Uh, it clearly... Communicates the truths of Scripture in an organized, simple way to understand. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, with the Ten Commandments, Luther has much longer explanations um, with practical application than what we found. In the small catechism. Now the small catechism is useful. Uh, the, the explanation is we should fear and love God. So that we may not deceitfully belie, betray, slander, or defame our neighbor. But defend him, think and speak well of him. And put the best construction on everything. Mm-hmm. So there's avoid and do sort of language. But this really unpacks it and puts some practicality to it. Luther uh, will incorporate scripture into some of his arguments. As he is uh, interested in you know scriptural literacy. And so as you're studying the commandment, we're kind of more or less, I I don't like calling it Bible studies on it, but they're really Bible studies because we're trying to demonstrate that the the theology of the Lutheran Confessions is lifted directly from Scripture. And so as we study these and do the Bible studies on these, it's important for us to consider uh, the deeper implications of what the Ten Commandments are teaching because uh, we are so prone to either dismiss them as something elementary for kids to memorize Mm -hmm. or to do the Christian glosses. Like we've been talking about each one of these, you know, the Eighth Commandment, don't lie, okay, I'm good. You know, we, we, the, the Eighth Commandment is the, the George Washington and the Cherry Tree Commandment, I cannot tell a lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a lot more
0: going on yeah. around the truth of this commandment than simply don't lie, tell the truth. I think another aspect of teaching through the commandments as a believer in Christ Jesus is sometimes our misunderstanding of the law and the use of the law, especially the Ten Commandments, in the life of the believer. You know, as it, as it moves in Christ Jesus from our accusatory records of wrongs to now our gentle teacher uh, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, we sometimes kind of forget that. And Christ has fulfilled all of the obligations of the law, and he has set us free uh, through his life, death, and resurrection But yet, there's still an aspect of the law that God wants to be a part of the believer's life. Because as our seminary professor used to say, uh, Pastor Lee, God loves us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. And in this, then, the law for the life of the believer, it reminds us that Christians are truth-tellers, that we are people of the truth. And that really rightly orients us. We talked about this at length uh, in Commandments 1, 2, and 3. You know about you rightly using God's name uh, about the proper view of the Sabbath, but now this is truth not in our relationship with God and His word, but it's truth in our relationship with our neighbor, and, and that you know properly again orients us to it. It's a righteousness relationship, how we can uh, serve our neighbor in truth for the good of truth.
0: The thought then is like, well, because I withheld information is that lying too. And it Mm -hmm. depends on the situation. It's it's it's
2: truth in relationship to edification. And and this is the if anybody's seen the movie Liar Liar with Jim (laughs) Carrey from the mid nineties, this is exactly the sort of thing. It's not just that his character couldn't lie, it's also he couldn't refrain from speaking out loud. And uh, we think about truth, it's great to have truth, but we think about edification, which is something that's necessary in the body of Christ. Luther in the large catechism writes, so also among ourselves, should we clothe whatever blemishes and infirmities we find in our neighbor and serve and help him to promote his honor to the best of our ability, Hmm. is that we should willingly and actively be disguising the warts we find in our neighbors mm. and this is not all truth is necessary uh now if it's sin let's talk about it but there's a way to do that that's the matthew 18 principle you yeah. brought yeah right but at the same time you know we don't have to point out that xyz person is an awful human being you mm-hmm. know or you know, this, that, or the other thing, it's a fine line. And see, we're already kind of stumbling over ourselves here, trying to figure out how to do it. And the principle here in relation to the truth for our neighbor is
0: edification. And there's a delicate balance, you know, as you said, place, you know, thinking about placing the needs of others is more important than yourself. Mm -hmm. And when is it suitable to withhold information? Mm -hmm. When is it suitable to speak the truth and love and and, and to address certain things? And you wonder like if, you know, etiquette, like, you know, back in the day it was it was always the etiquette to be polite and to be nice and and to just treat everyone with respect and and you wonder if that isn't a lesser of evils than just being brutally honest all the time you know like the Jim Carrey thing it's like where you were actually unable <laughs> to 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 not speak your mind and that you just have to find that delicate balance, one that glorifies God, walking, of course, in the freedom of Christ and in the grace and mercy of what Christ has done, uh, but yet at the same time, trying to t- to, to just love your neighbor as yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think that comes back to the, what's the definition of edification, yeah. and it's related to the word edifice, you know, a building where you're, you know, think of the What's that called? The the trusses or trellis or trellises? Trusses. Trusses. Yeah, the the, you know the big things in the the
0: triangles.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the big. If you go to a chapel building and you see the big triangle pieces of wood, that's that's what I'm talking about here. Trusses and beams. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Now we are about to find out if we have any architects listening. Yeah, and I think
1: everybody knows I'm a pastor, not an architect, not a construction guy. I did that for a few months. It's not for me. But anyhow, uh, <laughs> the point being is those those beams hold up or build up mm-hmm. the structure. And so when you speak a word of edification, you're building up the other person. So the question I ask is, is this word is the thing I'm saying, is it true first? And also is it is this the right moment? It's helpful. Is it helpful? Is it, helpful? Is it yeah, exactly. does it build them up? Um and I think Those types of things, and like you said, Jason, it depends on the situation, that's where this is the Holy Spirit working in us as believers in Christ, as He is changing us and and molding us. Um, He is guiding that process.
0: May I ask a question? You know, so we're all three pastors, we're all married, and so when (laughs) is it, you know, there are certain things that I purposefully don't. Bring into my marriage as far as like information from the church, some of those things, mm-hmm. because I really want my wife to to see our congregation that we 're serving as a safe place, and I want her to spiritually thrive in that environment and so there 's a balance between that too in in bearing that load as a pastor mm-hmm. you know and and not you know doing that, but at the same time in marriage how we're supposed to really, ed- again, edify each other mm-hmm. and to be there for one another. Do you guys struggle with that balance? Mm-hmm.
2: It's it's a hard thing, and I, I think part of it is that criticism has this effect of, you know, like venting has this effect of, like, releasing steam. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for us as pastors... we we have to be careful who and what we do that to and how we do it and you know like in the spousal relationship in a marriage that's really hard because you know it's I can't imagine what it's like being a pastor's wife Mm -hmm. you know my wife I'm her pastor and uh, I'm her husband Mm -hmm. and you know at faith here we have a really great situation very few problems and conflict or anything but then, then you think about a pastoring a church where there is conflict, where there is uh, division, and and now the place where your wife is worshiping at is also the place of your employment where people are criticizing you. And it's this dynamic. And so I think, you know, thinking about this, protecting our wives is one area uh, of how we do this. One of the things I was thinking of, too, is that in our proneness to criticize someone or to slander or to do things, how much of what we are criticizing is something that is entirely subjective to ourselves, Mm -hmm. is that there's personality traits that just annoy me. You know, different different yeah. things like that. And uh, what we would maybe see as a fault is not necessarily a fault. Yeah. And uh, in, in, in attacking a person, what we're really doing is failing to deal with our own prejudices where we can... Move beyond that and edify a person for the positive, you know, not the positivity, but the positive things they're doing in the body of Christ or mm-hmm. at the job or whatever your relationship is with them. And that's the principle of edification. I mm-hmm. think so much of it is going beyond what is our subjective annoyances or mm-hmm. pet peeves or, you know, the, the close talker or the loud chewer, or you know, <laughs> things like that to seeing real value in what other people are doing and in who they are. And, and, you know, it's a shame that we who uh, call ourselves the pro-life people uh, are also the ones that are doing a lot of the gossiping and slandering in our churches and in our private lives. Mm-hmm. Because we're failing yeah. to see the value of a life.
0: It's so interesting as I hear all, all of both of you guys talk. The thing that strikes me is uh, as we hear the word edification, we often think of positive words spoken. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes it's actually negative mm-hmm. words not spoken yep. is just as edifying.
1: Yep. Yeah, right. Yep. Yeah. So obviously, there's more here to talk about what this commandment promotes. What else? What else? What's next?
2: Well, the next one kind of ramps up the intensity a little bit more. Is uh, Luther describes that this commandment is promoting order, discipline, reconciliation, and forgiveness. Uh, hmm. It's uh, it is promoting actual, real discipline. Mm-hmm. You know, so if there is a problem, this is the commandment that forbids us to ignore a crime. You know, this is something that we've talked about in, in other episodes, is while a Christian, uh, we suspend our individual rights for the sake of the gospel or you know, for the sake of the neighbor, uh, the Eighth Commandment, not bearing false witness, is also not allowing us to tolerate sin. It's to call out sin, uh, to identify sin. But this is giving us opportunity to highlight the the purpose, the structure of the church in In identifying sin, we don't identify sin to mock. We don't call out sin uh, for for evil or subversive purposes. The reason why we identify sin is for the purpose of reconciliation and forgiveness. And so when we go to a brother or sister in Christ who is involved in a public, demonstrable sin, the goal for that is to call out the sin Mm -hmm. in order that there might be repentance and forgiveness. And in realizing that this is exactly the way God deals with us. The reason why we have the law is so that we might repent. Mm -hmm. God isn't uh, giving us the law so that he can smite us and and laugh at us and and, and torment us. And revel in the fact that yeah,
1: yeah, we're sinful.
2: He's doing it. Everything Mm -hmm. God does, the good things... God does for us and the, the harsh things, the discipline are for our repentance. You think about a passage like Romans 2, 4, that the patience of God in, in, in bearing with us is to bring about repentance. Mm-hmm. And this is what's highlighted in this is that we use Matthew 18 as a paradigm. Uh, we use the truth of the gospel and the reality of redemption as a paradigm to go to a brother who is sinning whatever that sin might be, Mm -hmm. and to bring about reconciliation. And no, this is both horizontal reconciliation to the, the rifts between two people, but also vertical reconciliation that there's real forgiveness and salvation going on in the life of someone
0: who's sinning. Yeah. Uh, Paul writes about that in Galatians 6. It says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And of course, that is to love your neighbor as yourself. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, that's great. Um, let's let's move on to the next one here as we kind of start to wind down on this episode here. Um, turning the other cheek.
2: Yeah, that's uh, that's Sermon on the Mount talk. That's from Matthew five thirty nine, and this is really it's the realm of the reputation and the realm of words is what turning the other cheek is. It's a figure. Uh, I know a lot of people have used this passage to defend uh, pacifism. Mm-hmm. But it's not talking about physical harm. It's not talking about you have no right to defend yourself if you're attacked, so on and so forth. It's talking about if you're insulted, mm-hmm. don't rise to the occasion. Yeah, you know, it's the all of the par all of the proverbs in the book of proverbs is don't respond to a fool. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't do it. And, and this is highlighting that we have the freedom to suspend our individual rights and liberties for the sake of testifying to Christ, mm-hmm. and, and, and rather than. You know, I think the, the church, we've kind of had this inferiority complex in America as secular society has been railing against us. Rather than kind of, you know, lobbing insults the other way, it's to be peacemakers, to be gentle, to be humble. And in so doing, draw people to Christ instead of uh, to sink to the level of, of insulting and, 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 you know, retorting.
0: Wow, that scripture is con- extremely convicting, especially, again, in light of things that have been happening in the mm. last recent weeks. Yeah. Boy, uh, to set aside your own liberty, you know, to set aside what we would perceive as our right mm-hmm. for the betterment of the other person. Again, that self-sacrificial love of Christ mm. flowing in and through the life of the believer, not because we have to, but because we get to in the freedom of Christ. Yeah,
1: yeah
2: this uh actually, the turning of the other cheek reminded me of an illustration uh, from the life of one of our professors in seminary mm-hmm. that he told in class, and it, this was an acquaintance of his it was a man who preached a sermon in a church and was a pastor and at the end of the service, you know doing the greeting line on the way out and shaking hands in one little old lady in the church just laid into him and, and, and <laughs> you know, just tore into him up and down and read him the riot act. And this, this pastor had a friend visiting and was observing this from a distance. And, and the, the pastor just gently received it and nodded it. And at the end told her, thank you. And, and once everyone had cleared out of the church, uh, the friend said, why didn't you defend yourself? She was clearly wrong. And in the pastor responded, I don't know if she was clearly wrong. what if she was right even a little bit?
0: <laughs> then I would have
2: to consider what she criticized me about and repent and change. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's it's the old adage, Christians don't like being called hypocrites because we're always called hypocrites. But the reason why Christians are called hypocrites is because we're hypocrites. And instead of dealing with it, we just say, oh, people just say all Christians are hypocrites. Well, let's deal with the hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Let's rise above the occasion so that those ac- accusations are either found by anyone who's watching as unfounded, or that in our repentance, we would win a neighbor, a friend, an ally, and mm-hmm. doing that instead of battling, going into combat.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and that's, we're really getting down into the nitty gritty of relationships and how this commandment seeps into the nook and crannies of, of each permeates. interaction, permeates yeah. Yeah. Um, each of those conversations. And so i, I like to like us to end talking about this last. Bullet point you have here on the best possible construction. And that's, uh, I think that's, this is such a helpful phrase if we understand what it means and if we can use it well. And so, Jason, would you define it for us here?
2: I think at the basic level, uh, you would say, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. (laughs) You know, we're just doing all, we're all about cliches in Figures of Speech here. But really it's when you are prone to react negatively to something Mm -hmm. someone has done or said is to stop and think could there any way could there be any way that this could have been done in a positive light instead Mm -hmm. of thinking that this person is nefarious or underhanded or assuming the best of somebody assuming the best of someone so assuming the best of someone might be acknowledging that they sinned but acknowledging that that person is not a vile spawn Mm -hmm. of satan yeah, you know, right? Uh, or saying this situation looks ugly, but let's get all of the facts before we know what's going on, and it might turn out to be that what they did was either their best effort to do a good thing in a bad situation, or mm-hmm. that we wholly misunderstood what they were doing. Yeah, and uh, now that we see all the truth, we're like, okay, I'm really glad. I didn't tear down that person's refutation. I'm really glad I didn't do anything to damage my relationship with that person. I'm really, you know, whatever the case might be. It's talking about things like best possible construction is Mm -hmm. both easy and hard at the same time. Yeah. Because the principle is there, but it's just an abstraction until you have a specific instance when you can demonstrate it.
1: You almost have to take uh, take a a case study or a, a certain situation and think through how you could do that.
2: And and it it, it is hard because even in case studies, you're not privy to the entire background information of an entire relationship that you are just getting a paragraph on a page. Right.
0: I think the other thing is just to be totally dependent on the spirit. And, And I know that it's hard sometimes in our flesh because if we are reacting negatively, you know, with anger or hurt or frustration, we have to die to that at that moment as believers in Christ Jesus, as ambassadors for Christ, and submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit as best we can. Of course, this is in the power of God's grace and not in our own strength, but God has given us and equipped us with the ability to do this. Mm
2: -hmm. I think, you know, kind of to co-opt a biblical principle and paraphrase part of a Bible verse, at least, best construction really involves being slow to speak, Mm -hmm. slow to judge, slow to react, but quick to listen, Mm -hmm. quick to help. Uh, quick to reach out rather than to divide and separate yourself and say, I'm just have anything to do. Say, this is what I heard. Mm-hmm. Is this what happened? You know, that sort of thing. Or even if someone else feeds you information instead of saying, Oh my goodness, that's terrible. Go to that person who fed it to you and the person involved and saying, let's find out the facts about this. Let's go do this. And then we're not indulging that instant gratification sin we get in, in thinking, oh, this is awful. But we're, we're, we're figuring out, we're helping, mm-hmm. we're reconciling. And mm-hmm. I think that's really the, at the heart of best possible construction.
1: Yeah, cool. Well, we're kind of wrapping up here. Brian, do you have a, a scripture to close
0: us out? I do, and it pins out right off of what you just said. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we hear this in weddings, but quite frankly, the context is for the congregation. Amen. And so in the freedom of Christ, let love love is patient, love is kind. Love does not envy, it does not boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. It rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also, these podcasts are available on iTunes, so please invite a friend. Join us next week as Pastor Brett, Pastor Jason, and myself continue our discussion on the Eighth Commandment and what it prohibits. God bless you and have a great week.